You are listening to audio from First Baptist Church in Fort Walton Beach. If you would like more resources or to watch our service online, please visit fbcfwb.org. Listen in as Pastor Wade helps us abide in Christ and advance the gospel through the teaching and the proclamation of God's Word. So we are talking about the great doctrines of our faith on Wednesday nights, and we have made it to the doctrine of salvation. Uh, If you want to know the technical term for this, uh, the term is soteriology, the study of salvation. And we uh, are uh, just working our way through that doctrine, and we really discuss it under three headings or three different questions. And last week we didn't get finished. We're going to finish uh, this week. But we answer the question, why does a person need to be saved? Why does a person need to be saved? And we talked about the sin that separates us from a holy God. And we all deserve uh, God's punishment and wrath. So we need salvation from that wrath that is is, uh, promised to those who are unsaved and die in that condition. We need salvation. And the question that we studied next was, how is a person saved? We talked about the gospel, the historical event, the things that really did happen in human history. Jesus left heaven, came to earth, took on humanity in the womb of the Virgin Mary. As fully God and fully man, he lived a perfect life. He went to the cross and died on the cross in the place of humans like us. As fully man, he died in our place. He became our substitute as fully God. He paid the infinite debt that we owe. He shed his precious blood uh, to to, uh, wash away our sins. He was our substitute and our sacrifice. And after he died on the cross, early on the third day, he rose from the grave. He defeated death itself. And so the gospel is Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried. And on the third day, he rose again according to the scriptures. That's the historical event. But we said that it's not enough just to know that, to have intellectual information about Jesus, to know the history of what Jesus did. There must be a personal response. And the Bible talks about responding in repentance and faith. Turning from the direction you're going, that's repentance, metanoia, change of mind, and turning to Christ and placing your faith and trust in him alone. And then we begin to answer the question, what does it mean to be saved? I mean, what, what are the, the implications of that in our life? And so we talked about um, the moment of conversion. When you were saved, there, there are some things that happen at the moment of conversion. Now, m- most of us, when we were saved, we didn't, we didn't realize all these things were happening. But as we look back through the lens of Scripture, we know these things happen when we were saved, the moment we placed our faith and trust in Christ. And so here's what happened at the moment of conversion. Justification where God declared us not guilty uh, based upon the, 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 the payment that Jesus made that washes away our sins. We are justified, courtroom term. And, and also at the moment of conversion was reconciliation because there's no wall of impurity between us and a holy God. Jesus took it away by his blood. We now can come close to God, draw near to God. And the Bible says in Christ we are Friends of God, which is a really amazing reality. And then also at the moment of conversion, adoption happened. God took us into his family. He became our father, and we became his sons and daughters in Christ. So we discussed that. And then after the moment of conversion, there is the ongoing work of God. And we talked a lot last week about sanctification. 
and, and how we become more like Jesus, which is what sanctification means. It's the process whereby God makes us more like Jesus. And if you remember last week, we talked about God's part, our part to cooperate with the means God has put in place to change us, and then the church's part. We need people around us cheering us on and encouraging, encouraging us along the way. So that is the doctrine of sanctification. And then we ran out of time. And we can't, we can't finish the doctrine of salvation without talking about our future glory, the, the final stage of our salvation. And so the, the first um, blank there that you need to fill in is the word glorification. Glorification. And I want you to see it first in 1 John chapter 3. So we're going to start with this passage and we'll look at a bunch of other passages. But look in 1 John chapter 3 with me. We've got some really good stuff and I'm excited about this. But look in 1 John chapter 3 verse 1. 1 John chapter 3 verse 1. The Bible says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us. That's one place where I like the King James. King James says, Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. It just has a way with it. Uh, See what kind of love. Behold what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. In other words, it's amazing that God loves us so much that he would take us as rebellious sinners and make us his children. That's amazing love. Can we all agree with that? And he says, so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it does, did not know him. We belong to him now. And the world doesn't recognize us because we belong to him now. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be, what's coming, future tense, what will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears... Now look at this next phrase. This is an amazing phrase. We shall be like him. Now think about that. When he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who, ha who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is Pure, And so it speaks of the idea that we need to keep our focus on this future event. That when we see him, we will be like him. This, this future event of glorification. Paul says it like this over in Colossians chapter 3. We ought to set our mind on things above, not just things of the earth. And so glorification is one of the ways that we set our minds on things above and, and things to come. The, the, the future glory that is ours. So let me give you just a definition of glorification, kind of a theological definition to, to understand it. De glorification is the final step in the redemptive process. So look at me real quick. Salvation is more than just a one-time event. Salvation is, a, is an ongoing process. And, and I've heard it... Uh, put like this. I think it's very helpful. Salvation has three parts. The first part is justification, where we are set free from the penalty of sin. We're declared righteous. We no longer have to fear the wrath of God. Amen? That's justification. That happens in the moment of conversion. Then there's sanctification, which is an ongoing process whereby we are being set free progressively from the power of sin. As we become more like Jesus, as God changes us, sin has less hold in our, on our lives. And we can say no to sin and yes to Jesus. We can live in, in increasing victory as God changes us. 
So justification is we, we've been set free from the penalty of sin. Sanctification is we are being set free. It's a process. We're being set free from the power of sin. Glorification is we will be set free from the very presence of sin. That's pretty cool, isn't it? It's a process, a three-step process. And, and this, this idea of, of glorification is the final step in the redemptive process. So what does this mean? What's it going to look like to be glorified? What does this mean for you and for me when this time comes? Because he's pretty specific about the time in verse uh, 3. He says, I'm sorry, verse 2, he says, when he appears. When he appears. This is speaking of the, the second coming. When he appears, we shall be like him. So, this is the doctrine of glorification. Here's what it means. First of all, it means, and this is wonderful, we will have new bodies. We will have new bodies. So let's start over in Romans chapter 8. The Bible has a lot to say about this. And I don't think we talk about it enough. Look over in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, look what it says in verse 18. Paul writes, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So what Paul is saying here is this. Redemption is not just for individuals. It's not just God taking individuals and redeeming them and making them new. There's also a broader aspect of redemption whereby God will redeem the created order. Because remember, when Adam and Eve sinned, sin entered the world and messed everything up. And that's why we have problems in this world. That's why we have earthquakes and hurricanes and tornadoes and famine and diabetes and cancer. And we could go on and on and on. Sin has entered the world. And he says here, the creation is groaning. It's under, it's living under the weight of this, of this corruption. And the created order is looking forward to being made new, just like individuals are made new when they are in Christ. And he says in verse 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, back to individuals, we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we eagerly, as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the completion of our adoption is what he means there. The re, here it is, the redemption of what? Our bodies. Specifically, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. And so the idea here is that God is going to redeem our bodies. He's going to make them brand new. Uh, look over in Philippians chapter 3. Just a couple more passages and we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more. But look in Philippians 3. End of that chapter, Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. 
Paul, again writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will, watch this, transform our lowly body. You know why I'm wearing glasses? Because i got a lowly body. Right? My body is not perfect. It's, it's, it's living in the, the corruption of a sin-cursed world. And we all experience physical maladies because of that. Our bodies, uh, he says there, are lowly. But we're waiting when he will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So remember when Jesus rose from the dead in 1 Corinthians 15, it says he was the first fruits. And that means that in his resurrection, he showed us what it's going to look like when we get resurrected. We'll have new bodies just like Jesus lived in a glorified body after his resurrection. We get new bodies too. We will be resurrected um, too. Uh, let me show you one more passage. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 42. This is a well-known passage of Scripture. He says, So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. second man is from heaven, talking about Jesus. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. As is the man of heaven, so also are... Oh, my page is stuck together. So also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. If we know Christ, we are no longer under Adam, we are under Christ. That means we get spiritual bodies, like Jesus has, new bodies. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable. Right now, we are living in perishable bodies. Every day, they're getting more and more perishable. Right? And this will really bless you, but it's true. We are one day closer to our death than we were yesterday. Amen? Or like, well, that's not really pleasant news, is it? Are we live in perishable bodies. But this perishable will put on the imperishable. This mortal must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So through Jesus, our mortal bodies will be raised immortal. Our perishable bodies will be raised imperishable. Our Corrupted flesh and blood will be raised and we'll have physical bodies, but there'll be spiritual bodies as well. 
I, I think about the story when the disciples are in a room with a locked door. Remember the story we talked about on Easter, Thomas? And all of a sudden, Jesus is in there with them. He didn't come through the door. There's something about the properties of his new resurrection body, real flesh and blood. He ate fish with them. They touched his hands. He, had, he, he was raised physically from the dead. But there was something different about his body whereby he didn't need to take the door. Okay, That's, So I don't know what that means for me and you, but when we see him, we'll be like him. Physical bodies, real physical, imperishable bodies, but with, with enhanced capabilities. Might be the best way I can say that. All right, uh, We will have new bodies. John Murray says it like this. The complete and final redemption of the whole person this is glorification. When in the integrity of body and spirit, the people of God will be confirmed to the image of the risen, exalted, and glorified Redeemer. When the very body of their humiliation will be conformed to the body of Christ. Glory. So, let's just talk about it for a minute. And I've shared this with you before, but I think it just helps to understand the order of things. If I were to die right now, that'd be dramatic, wouldn't it? If i got to go, might as well go preaching, right? If I died right now, I would immediately be in the presence of Jesus. To be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. So my soul would no longer be in my body laying here. My soul would be in the presence of Jesus. And that would be... Uh, something that, that would give comfort to my, my family and church family. Wade passed away, but he's with Jesus, right? But you would take my body and you would bury it, okay? And you would, you would put it in the ground. And these verses indicate that when that happens, God's not through with my body yet. You'll put it in the ground and walk away. And one day, Jesus Christ will return. When he returns, he's going to raise my body up out of the ground. And when he raises it, puts it back together from ashes and dust, he puts it back together. When he does that, it'll be a brand new body. And at that moment, my soul will be reunited with my body. I get a brand new body. And I will live in that glorified body in heaven. We'll talk about heaven in a minute. In heaven forever. And that body will not wear out. There will be no disease. There will be no pain. There will be no maladies. That body will be a brand new glorified body. Free from the, the, the old sinful flesh. It'll, I, we'll have a body like Jesus. When we see him, 1 John 3, we will what? Be like him. Brand new glorified bodies. Now there are a thousand questions about this and you know there's a lot of speculation and to be honest there's just a lot of things we don't know for sure we can speculate and it's interesting to talk about but God will just have to show us when this time comes but one of the questions is well you know what age will my glorified body be like am I going to be perpetually 33 or am I going to be perpetually 18 or am I perpetually 65 or you know what is you know is it going to be the age when I die you know and the answer is we don't know all right but it won't matter because the body will be incorruptible, imperishable. It'll be a perfect body. Another question is, will, will we recognize each other? Like, are we going to have these bodies and we're all going to look kind of different and, and strange and we won't know each other? The answer to that is, if we look at the resurrected body of Jesus, his disciples were able to recognize it was him. I believe there will be continuity between our DNA and our our 
physical characteristics and our new glorified bodies. And one of the reasons I believe that is back in 1 Corinthians 15, right before the passage we read, he, he uses a seed going into the ground and dying so that life can come from that seed. And, you know, if you put a seed in the ground and the, 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 the casing around the seed dies so the plant can grow, that plant that grows has continuity with the seed that died, right? It's the same, it's the same, it's the same uh, organism, so to speak. There's continuity there. And, and I believe that when our bodies are raised, there'll be continuity between our physical bodies in this life. and in the, So I, we'll, I'll be like, hey, Lee, what's up? I, we'll know each other, right? And, and we'll be able to, we'll, you'll know I'm Wade and I'll know who you are. And, and, and there will be that continuity from this life into the next with our glorified bodies. What's it going to be like to have glorified bodies? I mean, what does that mean for us? I mean, you know, if we can't die, if they're imperishable. I mean, you may have heard me say this before, but, you know, I would love to cl- climb Mount Everest, but I'm a chicken. I don't want to die. Right? But when I get a new body, I'm going mountain climbing. You say, well, will there be mountains? Will there be a new heavens and new earth? So I think it's going to be pretty awesome. Do you think it's going to be awesome? No doctor's appointments. One of our church members told me tonight. She drove all the way to Navarre, and the appointment had been canceled. She didn't get the message. None of that in the new heavens and new earth. None of that with our glorified bodies. No doctors, no, no tests, no worries, no aches, no pains. We will have brand new glorified bodies, and uh, that is such a glorious reality. Uh, second, second reality of glorification, we will live in the new heaven and new earth. I'm going to go a little bit quicker here. We will live in the new heaven and new earth. Look over in Revelation 21. Revelation 21. After the great white throne of judgment, where God assigns people to eternal Heaven or eternal hell, the lake of fire. The Bible speaks of what happens next. Look what it says in Revelation 21, verse 1. The Apostle John is being enabled to see the end time scenario unfold in a vision. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, the one we're living in now, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. Love this verse. For the former things have passed away, and he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And then fast forward to the end of the chapter. Look in verse 22 of Revelation 21. I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. We're in the very presence of God. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. Its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk. The kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, into the new Jerusalem. And its gates will never be shut by day. and There will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations. That means a couple things. First of all, that means that the, the new Jerusalem, this new city that comes out of heaven, will be the centerpiece of the new heavens and new earth. 
and the gates will be opened. So that indicates to me people will be coming and going into the New Jerusalem. And, and they'll be coming, when they come into the New Jerusalem, they'll be coming from the new heavens and new earth. I believe we'll be able to enjoy the new heavens and new earth, right? It's going to be this vast new creation that we get to live in and enjoy. I can't imagine how magnificent that will be. And notice, I may mention this on Sunday morning, but notice there it says, the nations will walk into the city. The kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. So I believe that means... That, that we will maintain our ethnic identities in the new heavens and new earth. That, that, that we will we'll be there together as followers of Jesus, as redeemed people, but we will retain our ethnic identities. There will be, there'll be people there from every people group on the face of the earth. Think about how amazing that will be. And I imagine that there will be no language barriers that, that someone will speak in another language and we'll be able to converse and understand and talk and, and, and there will be a oneness there uh, with all of these different nations. So just think about that. The, the ethnic distinctives will, will be a reality in the new heavens and new earth. In other words, Jeff, I think there's going to be Thai food in heaven. I really believe that. I believe that and I'm excited about that. I mean, it's, it's, going, it's going to be awesome. So, uh, so these gates are open and people are, are coming in uh, going into the new Jerusalem. But this is where you and I get to be, get to exist forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And there's a lot more we could say. There's, there's, there's streets of transparent gold. There's gates of huge gates made of one pearl. I mean, it's just amazing the, the, the beauty, the breathtaking beauty that is described here in Revelation 21 and, and, and 22, and we get to be there and explore and live together in perfect unity and harmony, free from the very presence of sin. Satan won't be there. Our flesh won't be there. Temptation won't be there. It's just us and other believers and Jesus and the new heavens and the new earth. What a day that will be. So that's where we get to live. The new heaven and the new earth. There's a lot more we could say. Jesus is preparing a place for us in, in, in that uh, new heavens and new earth. So there's a special place prepared for us. What that entails, I don't know. But if he's doing it, it must be pretty awesome. And, and I, it's almost like when John is writing this vision, it's almost like he can't even come up with the words to describe what he's seeing. So what we're, what we're talking about here is so, so far beyond what even human words or thoughts can encapsulate. It's going to be breathtaking, and that's where we get to go if we know Jesus. I've uh, been listening to a lot of different songs lately, and I've been listening to the song, um, old song, How Beautiful Heaven Must Be. And I, I put the, 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 the lyrics down here. We read of a place that's called heaven. It's made for the pure and the free. These truths in God's word he has given, how beautiful heaven must be. The angels so sweetly are singing, betrayals and failures destroyed, all pain and all suffering forgotten. Think about that. All pain, all suffering forgotten. All tears will be turned into joy. How beautiful heaven must be, sweet home of the happy and free. I love this. Fair haven of rest for the weary. How beautiful heaven must be. And so that is our great hope. Uh, I love life. I love life. I love to, I, I love every day that God gives me on this earth. I, I love serving Him. I, I love my family. I love my friends. I, 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 you know, I, love, I, I love the creation. I, love to, I just love life. I like to eat. I mean, I just love life, right? 
And, uh, and, and I think that every day God gives us is, is awesome. To live is Christ. But I'm glad that this life is not all that there is. If I had no hope beyond this life, I would ultimately be miserable and live in, um, in a dejected way because if, if all we have is this life, that'd be pretty, uh, pretty sad, wouldn't it? But we have hope beyond the grave, the new heaven and the new earth. Which leads me to the third thing, and I'll take two questions and, and we'll be through tonight. And I've already made reference to this, but the best thing about heaven is we will be with Jesus. We will be with Jesus. Revelation 22.5 Night will be no more, no more night. They will need no light or lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever and ever. Now let me just say this. Now I want you to hear me carefully on this. If heaven has streets of gold and gates of pearl and a beautiful new Jerusalem and a new created order, but Jesus is not there, heaven would not be heaven. What makes heaven heaven is we get to enjoy all of that in the presence of Jesus. The greatest gift of salvation is not a mansion being prepared for us in glory. The the greatest gift of salvation is not that we get to walk on streets of gold. The greatest gift of salvation is not that we get to walk through a gate of pearl. The greatest gift of salvation is we get Jesus. We get to be in his presence. Listen, our faith becomes sight. And we're in the presence of Jesus forever. I can't imagine how incredible that will be. But that's what heaven is. We get to be with Jesus and, and our saved loved ones and enjoy Jesus together. What, what a remarkable reality that is. So, Christian, we got some things to look forward to. If you're a Christian, you've been justified. You have been set free from the penalty of sin. You're being sanctified. He's still working on me. He's still working on you. You're progressively being set free from the power of sin. But there is coming a day when we see Jesus, when he returns, that we will be set free from the very presence of sin. New bodies, new heaven, new earth, in the presence of Jesus forever. That is the doctrine of glorification. Thank you for listening. We pray you've been encouraged and inspired by God's word. May the Lord richly bless you.